Welcome to Pursuing Truth. I'm your host, Barry Watkins. I'm not afraid. You will be. You will be. Imagine a uh, missionary comes to your door and uh, shares this message with you. He says, I've got some good news and some bad news. (laughs) The good news is God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. The bad news is he created hell just in case you don't love him back. Yeah, so that that's the uh, the message of evangelical Christianity, you know, basically, kind of in a nutshell. But um, that's the the message that I kind of grew up hearing in um, in evangelical fundamentalist Christianity. I was I was Southern Baptist at first, and then we you know, went and switched to Charismatic um, at some point, char- Charismatic Pentecostal when I was about eleven years old. And, uh, but ever since then, you know, uh, yeah, that was the kind of churches that I was in was, uh, churches that actually taught that there is a literal hell. There's a literal place that you're going to go to, well, a spiritual place. I don't really know how all that works, but, um, if you don't get everything kind of right, you know, if you don't kind of pray the right prayer, um, you know, and, uh, have the right attitude when you pray or whatever, you know, there, there's, there's these certain stipulations about how to receive eternal life from God. You know, God has provided Jesus as the payment for your sins, according to this message. But if you don't receive him properly, kind of in the right way, you know, putting your faith in Jesus on the cross, you know, and inviting him to live in your heart, you know, uh, by praying a certain prayer, you know, if you miss kind of the details of that, yeah, you're you're headed for hell. When when you die, you're actually going to be burning forever and ever with no end to your suffering, right? You know, it's it's kind of a I I think it's a very twisted message, folks. Um, and is it logical? I don't think so. Um, that this is one of those things that um, I had to work through when I was um, evaluating my faith at one point, when I started to doubt things and I said, what's true and what's not true, I need to figure this these things out. Well, hell was one of those subjects that I kind of had to approach and, and think kind of very clearly about it, right? Um, I'd kind of taken it for granted that it was a true teaching for many years. And, uh, you know, and uh, I wouldn't, have told you back when I was a strong believer, I wouldn't have told you that uh, I was fearful of hell myself. I, I wouldn't have said that I was fearful. But looking back on it, um, after having left Christianity, looking back on it, yeah, there was this underlying um, fear that I had kind of under the surface, I guess, all of that time that somehow Maybe I'm going to slip up. Maybe God's not going to be pleased with me. And um, in the brand of Christianity that I was in, um, we did uh, have the teaching that you could lose your salvation. So if you're not careful, if you kind of go down the wrong path, 
you know, that teaching says that um, your heart could get hardened and sure enough, you could end up in hell. And, um, you know, wouldn't that be terrible, even after you're saved, that you kind of have to be careful with your spirit and you have to be putting the right inputs in or you could be led astray and pulled away from God. And if your heart grows cold, you you could end up, yeah, in hell. Um, this was, I, I think it's, I think it's an insidious teaching. I think it's something that's, um, especially when we teach these kind of things to children, I think it's very damaging, honestly. I think it's, um, it's cruel and um, just this, uh, this horrible thought, you know, that this, okay, this loving God who created you to have fellowship with him, you, you know, your whole purpose in life is that eventually you're, you know, your, your purpose would be to relate to God, you know, become his child and live forever with him in happiness for all of eternity, right? Enjoying God's presence. But yeah, you know, at this, on the same token, he's created this place in case you don't love him back, you know, he's going to throw you in this um, torture chamber forever and there's no end, you know? Yeah, it's it's very scary, isn't it? I mean, think about it. Um, you know, I think I think a lot of people who believe in hell, honestly, I I think that they have not thought through the logic of it. You know, I, I think most people just really don't think that deeply about it. They they may think about it, they may hear about it, they may be afraid of it and things. Um, it may influence them you know, along, along the way that, uh, wow, you know, you certainly don't want to go to hell. Right. Um, but did, you know, as a Christian, when I was a Christian, did I really think deeply about what it meant to go to hell and how crazy <laughs> it's, you know, extensive of a punishment that actually is, <laughs> I don't think we thought about it. You know, most of us, because I think it's, it's almost an unthinkable thought it's like okay um so after if you go to hell you know after you know you've you've lived your life on earth you know let's say you lived 70 80 90 100 years on earth and you're just this despicable person right and you've committed all kinds of sins and you're just a nasty person and you rejected god your entire life and you you're one of these uh cliche people that really just hates god you know and then you die you go to hell um, okay. <laughs> that's an extreme case, right? That's, that's not your average person, but that person then do they deserve to live in torture forever and ever and ever with no end? So after a million years, after thousands, thousands, thousands of years, let's say a billion years, let's say 10 billion years passes and you're still tortured, you're burning. Okay, I'm sorry, I I give up, you know, yeah, I, I'll follow you, God, you know, I, I'm sorry, you know, this, this torture is too much for me to take. Oh, nope, no chance of that. There's no chance of parole in hell. Uh, yeah. You have a few billion years to go. In fact, after a few more billion years, you're going to still have an eternity to go. It's never going to end. <laughs> Does that make sense? Okay. I mean, as much sin as I could heap up in a lifetime, 
is it really worth that kind of a punishment, that kind of a penalty? I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine that it's ever really worth that. You know, the, the other sad part of it, if you think about it, there's, there's several really illogical things about this. Um, you know, think about God himself. He's this pure, good, you know, supposedly perfectly good person, right? And, uh, you know, he's the ultimate good. He knows how to love ultimately, you know, he's, he's the ultimate expression of love, right? That, you know, he's perfect in every way. And yet he's set this place aside for, you know, potentially billions of people who are actually each one of those is an individual, right? They're not just faceless people. They're actual people that he's going to keep in this state of torment forever and ever. He, and he thinks that's good. He thinks that that's just punishment for their little lifetime of sins that they did. You know, um, I, I can't fathom, you know, that this good God um, really could, could ever do that. Could, you know, and some people you know, come up with all kinds of gyrations to justify this, right? Um, they're like, oh, well, God puts you out of his memory. He doesn't remember those people. Well, <laughs> did he consciously do this? Yeah, he's deciding. Yes, I know ahead of time that these people are going to be tortured forever and ever and ever. Just so I don't have to, you know, relive that torture. I'm just going to forget about them. You know, I'm going to consciously say, yep, they're out of my memory now. Really? <laughs> so he can, so he's capable of that kind of cruelty. Do you really think so? I think any, any God that could do that, any being that could ever think to even fathom to do something like that to another being, I think would be the cruelest, most twisted, evil person you can, I, I just can't even imagine a person that cruel and evil. Not even the cruelest, you know, Adolf Hitler would be that crazy cool. I mean, I don't know, you know, and to think that the God of creation, the, the perfect, this perfect being is going to be that cruel to billions of people. I, I just can't, you see what I'm saying? Do you see the illogic of it? We're going to take a short break and be right back. Welcome back to Pursuing Truth with Barry Watkins. Yeah, so we've heard uh, uh, different um, uh, reactions when, um, when we talk about hell with a believer. Uh, if I say, yeah, I don't believe in hell, um, you know, a loving God, how could a loving God ever send anyone to hell? You know, it, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, the, a lot of times believers, and, and I was one of them at one time, I used to use some of these uh, answers back uh, for someone that didn't believe in hell, is that, um, you know, well, God, you know, God doesn't send you to hell. You send yourself to hell, you know. And um, another way that I kind of said that before, uh, a little bit of a different way, was, you know, you know, you don't have to go to hell. God's given you every remedy. 
God's given you the remedy right here. All you have to do is believe in Jesus and you don't have to go to hell. So if you refuse the remedy, then basically, yeah, you're sending yourself to hell. God's not really sending you there. But no, I don't think um, God's going to get uh, off the hook that easily. I think um, that if God knows all from the beginning and he knows everything, um, yes, it, uh, if if he set things up so that billions of people end up in eternal torment, it's it's something that he decided was okay to do. You know, it's not like his hands are tied because, you know, if, if he's supposedly the almighty God, he can do whatever he wants to do. Supposedly he is sovereign, according to most Christian teachings. You know, then this God is, is responsible for sending you to hell. You know, another aspect of this uh, whole hell teaching, the eternal torment teaching and all that, is that the funny thing is, is that it's not even really taught in the Bible. The, um, the traditional teaching of hell that most um, traditional fundamentalist Christians now believe in and teach is not actually in the scriptures. Um, if you look at the original languages, we can see, and historically we can see, that there was not a concept of eternal torment in at the time that uh, Jesus and the and that at the time that these uh, the original scriptures would have been written, but that the um, eternal torment was a later addition to the Christian message, and um, now uh, English translations, um, other modern I guess translations of um, the Bible will definitely lead you to believe that there is such a thing as eternal torment. But if you look, like I said, look at the original languages, look at the Greek and the Hebrew, you know, of the different um, scriptures that we, you know, normally refer to when we talk about hell um, and eternal torment. It's um, definitely open to some interpretation, but it's also, yeah, it's pretty obvious that um, that interpretation is kind of imposed on the Bible, and it's it's not, uh, I don't think it's clearly taught in the Bible, that's for sure. So um, what is apparently the teaching that Jesus would have taught and uh, that is in the actual Bible, uh, the original teachings, would have been uh, that um, believers go to heaven and um, that unbelievers actually are annihilated on the Day of Judgment. So they go to some kind of a holding place and uh, until Judgment Day, and then in judgment, on Judgment Day, they're destroyed, um, those who are not believers. So, you know, that's a little bit of a better, <laughs> I think that's a little more palatable. I don't believe any of it's true, but if you're going to pick something to believe in, yeah, I think uh, I think the original Bible teaching of annihilation is a whole lot more um, logical and believable, I guess, than eternal torment. You know, when I um, did a, a pretty thorough Bible study on this years ago, um, uh, with the original languages and stuff, I'm not, obviously I'm not a Greek 
or Hebrew scholar, but I can look up original words and kind of wade my way through it. Um, and then with the help of uh, other people, you know, pointing me in the right direction on some things, the um, some of the uh, problem passages, I guess, that uh, people will point to and say, oh, well, this must be um, showing, you know, eternal torture as a real thing in the Bible. Um, a couple of those are, you know, conflated and, and confused by the language. So um, one of the passages talks about um, the beast and the false prophet being thrown into um, the lake of fire. And it talks about that they'll burn forever and ever in the, uh, in the English translation of that. Well, if you look at the uh, original languages, even that passage, when it's talking about the beast and the false prophet, they're actually, um, the wording is not forever and ever, but it's eons and eons. So it's like a long time that they're going to burn. But even, even those guys, as bad as they are, the, the really bad guys in the Bible, yeah, it doesn't say that they're actually going to burn forever. It just says they're going to burn for a long time. So, um, you know, when it talks about people being cast into the lake of fire, those who are unbelievers and, and stuff, the sinners, you know, they get cast into the lake of fire, um, the burning uh, there appears to be kind of a just an instant annihilation. And uh, it talks about that the... Um, you know, it talks about the second death, that this is the second death. So after they die physically, then um, they're resurrected on, on the day of judgment and they're judged, you know, according to this, these scriptures. Um, and then they're cast into the lake of fire to experience a second death. And um, it, it doesn't, look like anything like, uh, oh, they're going to be preserved conscious forever and they're going to experience pain forever and, uh, and actually exist forever. Now, it appears that those, the Bible teaching is that they are eliminated. They're, they're gone. At least that, you know, sounds a little more um, <clears throat> merciful to me that, that God wouldn't have set things up so that people Billions of people are actually going to be tormented for all of eternity. You know, that just sounds a little little too much, a little too harsh. And it doesn't fit with the nature of God as it's, you know, um, revealed in other places, you know, that, that God is actually, you know, perfect. And that he's loving and that he's all-knowing and all-powerful. So there you go. We're going to take a short break and be right back. And welcome back to Pursuing Truth with Barry Watkins. Whoop-de-doo! What does it all mean, Basil? You know, um, this, uh, this does bring a lot of things to my mind about um, fear and uh, how in um, religion I was uh, very much driven by fear and I, I didn't realize it uh, until after I had left. You know, um, 
I was, uh, you know, I was really, it's funny. I had this, I, I thought I had this healthy view of God and God's grace and how God was on my side, you know, and God was empowering me all the time. You know, I, I heard of people that were under condemnation all the time and um, who felt like God was, you know, judging them constantly and all of that. And I never felt that way as a Christian. It's funny. Um, but I was, you know, I was in this very legalistic uh, form of Christianity. And I guess how it translated for me was I really, you know, I felt that um, that the Bible uh, instructed me to be respectful of God, you know, to, to fear God in the sense of having this reverence for him. And um, I did understand that he had wrath against sin and that he didn't want sin in my life, you know, and I, I was very conscious of that. But I was also conscious of his grace, and I felt like that was overpowering uh, any legalism that I had, you know, uh, because I felt like, okay, as long as my heart, you know, that, and this, this was my theology um, and my soteriology, I guess, I, I felt like you had to have a heart after God, and as long as your heart was turned towards him and uh, away from sin, you know, that that you were under his grace then, as long as I, you know, I had my faith in Jesus, I had my faith in his sacrifice on the cross, and I felt like that was the key to salvation, but also that repentant heart attitude needed to be there. And, um, yeah, so, so, um, because of the balance that I thought I had, you know what I mean? I, I guess I felt this tug of war constantly, like, oh yeah, I need to be sorrowful if I fall into sin, you know, I need to run back to God and ask him to cleanse me, ask him to give me power over sin. So it was this constant struggle that I felt, you know, and, uh, but, but it also, the fact that I, um, believed also that you could lose your salvation. This was another kind of a key that kept me kind of in guilt manipulation mode, right? Because I felt that, uh, if I didn't stay on fire for God, if I didn't keep that fire burning brightly and really keep after him every day, um, this is the mode I was in was um, that uh, I need to be after him every day, running towards him every day. Or I was in danger of the fire going out, my heart growing cold, and I didn't want that to happen. If I wandered away from God, my theology told me that uh, if I wandered away from him, that I could fall away. And that then that the end result would be, yeah, I could go to hell. I could lose my salvation. Um, I wasn't afraid of losing my salvation every day. I wasn't like on the edge all the time. Like, if I don't repent of this sin, I'm going to hell, you know, kind of thing. It wasn't like that. But it was this constant kind of a stress. Like, I got to stay close to God. I got to keep after God. I got to keep uh, praying and reading my Bible and, you know, asking God to fill my heart, you know, and, and um, saying no to sin, you know, all the time, being very careful, you know, to not allow sin in my life kind of thing. And so it was this very legalistic, very stressful way of living. You know, now having uh, left all of that, uh, once I <laughs> understood that I was 
you know, all of this was, um, was based on nothing true, you know, when I kind of gave into that, um, understanding that, yeah, I don't think God's even really there, you know, um, all of that kind of fell off of me. And in a way, okay, there was a couple of emotions that I felt. I mean, I definitely felt disappointment that God wasn't there. I felt, wow, you know, this is very disappointing. I really did feel disappointed that, uh, you know, comparing, okay, I don't think I'm going to live forever now. I think maybe this life is all I have. Well, that's a huge letdown compared to, yeah, I'm going to live forever in heaven, you know. Um, that's a, It's a huge, yeah, disappointment, right? But also, I guess uh, over time as I worked through things, I really did start feeling much more relaxed about life. I was, I could enjoy myself. And now especially, it's been going on for a long time now. I really feel so happy now. It's It's so funny. It's like comparing to how uptight I was and how nervous I was all the time. You know, oh, I can't go do this. I can't go do that. I can't you know, listen to this dirty joke that this person's telling, you know, it's a little bit off color, it's dirty, and I shouldn't laugh at it because that's a sin. You know, now it's like, I'm not so uptight, you know, it's like I can hear a joke and I can laugh and I'm, I'm like not afraid about it, you know. It's such a, it's such a different way of living, it really is. And, uh, you know, um, just being able to um, enjoy enjoyable things, like, okay, I can go I can go on a canoe paddling ride and or I can go on a bike ride. I can I can go walking outside and I can just really enjoy myself. I can really enjoy the moment where before it was funny. I felt guilty if I enjoyed something too much unless it was okay being in the Bible or praying or interceding or going and talking to people about Jesus. You know, I, I always felt this pressure, um, you know, and it, it was the, I'm, I'm saying, yes, it was the type of Christianity that I was in. I was in this legalism for sure. Uh, not all Christians are like this. I know that. But um, I'm just telling you how different it is for me now, you know, and it's like, because um, I, I was in that, um, okay, Charles Finney kind of a attitude, you know, Charles Finney was a preacher, I think in the 1800s or whatever, and I used to read a lot of his stuff, and uh, people like um, General William Booth, you know, the founder of the Salvation Army, um, you know, different people like that, I kind of got hooked into some of those from, I guess, through Keith Green, Keith Green's ministry, um, I don't know if y'all are familiar with him, but he died back in the, uh, back in the 80s. Uh, early 80s, I guess, but he was a Christian singer and he was very influential in my life. Well, he had a whole ministry and he had this uh, uh, newsletter that I used to read all the time and it was called, uh, um, I think his ministry was Last Days Ministries or something like that. And um, he was just very serious about, okay, and he shared things that William Booth shared and, and uh, Charles Finney shared and stuff back in the day. And it was all very uh, urgent, you know, it was about repenting from sin, and it was also all about being about what the Lord wants you to do at all times, you know. So it was like, how can you sit idly by and enjoying coffee and tea or whatever while um, other people are dying and going to hell, 
you need to be out there saving these people, you know? And, and, uh, I remember William Booth had this, uh, picture of a vision, I guess, that he had had of, uh, riding on a train and, uh, they were going over a bridge on the train and there's people just enjoying life on the train. They're just having fun, eating their meal, you know, drinking their wine or whatever and, and, uh, laughing, together and not looking down into the water below the bridge, but in his vision, he looked out and he saw these people drowning in the water. And and he looked at the people on the train and they were totally oblivious to the fact that these people were drowning in the water. Well, the picture was, yes, people all around you are going to hell and they're dying without Jesus and you need to help them. You know, so going out and enjoying frivolous things like going to a football game or whatever, watching TV, having a good time, laughing. All of those things are sinful and they're such a waste of time according to this type of teaching, you know. And uh, that's what I had embraced, you know. And so it was kind of like I felt guilty. Not that I never enjoyed myself. You know, yeah, we would go play games. We would watch TV, stuff like that. We would laugh at sitcoms and stuff. But all the while, I'm feeling kind of guilty anytime I did anything like that because, yeah, I knew, oh, yeah, I should be out there preaching, you know. And I did I did plenty of going out and witnessing. I didn't do enough. I never felt like it was enough, you know. So it was like chasing away that guilt, you know. It was kind of funny. But, um, yeah, now I, I'm so happy. I'm, I'm just telling you, it's it's such a different way to live. And that fear of hell that people have and experience, you know, the fear that that underlying fear that I had that I was going to displease God and end up in hell somehow. Yeah, that's totally gone. And I'm just so glad, you know, I'm so, so happy about that. Um, You know, if you're in that journey and uh, anywhere, wherever you are on that journey, you know, of your own journey, um, I invite you to you know, think about these things rationally, (laughs) go through it and ask yourself, do I have fears that are controlling my life? And are they really rational fears or are they irrational fears? You know, hell, I think the fear of hell, the fear of dying, all of that kind of stuff is um, the fear of displeasing God. I think all of that can be overcome uh, by reasoning. You know, you reason through all the illogic of some of this stuff and you'll figure it out, you know, but, um, yeah. So if you, uh, if you need help with any of that, um, if you have, uh, struggles that you'd like to share and talk about, um, let me know, give me a message. I, I, I welcome your private messages as well as your public, um, comments and questions. Okay. All right. Well, that's, uh, that's our show for today. Thank you for listening and, uh, we'll talk to you real soon. Bye-bye. Thank you.